Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Recording. We are recording. Do you know that hamsters only live for eighteen months? <laughs> Just makes you want to seize seize the day and really exactly. live every moment, doesn't it? Appreciate your life. Exactly. There you go. How do you think I know that? Um, you went to a hamster funeral? <laughs> no. So I was on the tube yesterday night because I'd been at a friend's birthday party in South London, and. Uh, it's a long tube journey. And actually, I was reading the overstory. You know, I mentioned the overstory. Yes. And just, this is incidentally and in brackets. Uh, I was at this party for this uh, friend of mine, Richard, and his, uh, one of the people at the party, I, I, I because I was, I so rarely do this. I was literally just sitting on the tube reading and then I bought the book. And he said, that's so strange. I'm in the middle of reading the overstory as well. Uh-huh. So there you go. Anyway. The hamsters. Yes, yeah, so so, we're still trying to figure oh, out how the hamster fits into no, all those. No, yeah. it doesn't. So the, the I'm sure it does in some sort of you know sense. So I was on the tube, and occasionally when I'm on the tube, when I'm recognised, I know exactly what's happening because people nudge each other and then wonder if it's me. In fact, I got somebody said to me at a train at a train station the other day, "Are you a lookalike?" <laughs> Anyway, well, that, that, so could, were, that could be an income stream for you. Hang on, hang on here, because I feel I'm getting caught some way from the hamsters. Uh, so, then, so then they were nudging each other, and then they do the thing that sometimes people do do, which is write a message on their phones to each other. Because obviously they're sitting opposite me in a relatively empty tube train. Yeah. So they can't be like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and so I sort of think to myself, okay, I'm trying to read the overstory here. Do I, how long do I let this charade carry on as they try and sort of, you know, is the tube Wi-Fi going to be working so they can find a picture of me comparing to, <laughs> to me? How do I put themselves out of their misery? How do I make... Is there a sort of 10% chance or 5% chance that they're not actually 
thinking it might be me, but they're looking at their shopping, Cardo shopping list or whatever, and therefore I'm going to look like a complete sort of moron when I say, oh, hello, it is me. And they sort of, and they kind of say, excuse me, I'm really sorry. Uh, anyway, sort of kind of long story, not very short. Uh, I was like, hello, it's me. And they were like, oh, yeah, we thought it was you. Anyway, they were a very nice couple from uh, Portsmouth who'd gone to a Depeche Mode concert. And I they said, flew over a Depeche Mode concert in a hot air balloon. What? I was once hot air ballooning over Stockholm and we went over a Depeche Mode concert. God, you lived a zany life. Yes, Jeff I know. Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, hang on here for the hamster. So I said, oh, we had a chat about Depeche Mode uh, and... Uh, uh, the lady of the couple said that she'd been to Depeche Mode when she was 14, and I said, I bet they'd aged. In fact, they had aged. Um, and I, as you would have expected, strongly recommended they come up from Portsmouth to see Abba Voyage. Oh, yes, yeah. And they said, well, the trouble is we're going back to Finchley, where our daughter lives, and then we're driving back to Portsmouth. And I said, why are you driving back to Portsmouth? Can you not stay at your daughter's? And they said, well, our daughter's got a one-bedroom flat, and... She's probably not that interested in us to hang with her. And we have to get back to the hamster. Ah. And I was like, what? I said, can't the hamster be overnight? And they said, no. And it's on its last paws, legs. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I said, how'd you know? And they said, they said, well, you know, hamsters only live 18 months. I said, well, how'd you know that? And they said, well, this is the ninth hamster we've had. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and basically, they had two, two two girls who are now grown up, and they get, they would just buy successive hamsters. Did you get the hamster's name? I'm really sorry I didn't. I failed you. Cause I, I had a hamster about 15 years ago called Pippi, after Pippi Longstocking. And I'm trying to remember how... I feel like she lived to the grand old age of about two or maybe even two and a half. Well, I did look this up. It's 18 to 36 months, maybe. But I think there might be small hamsters that live a shorter time. <laughs> Mine had a rectal prolapse. That was what did for her in the end. I don't think we needed to know that, really. <laughs> did I tell you the story? Um, no, no, no. So, uh, so I, I, not about the rectal prolapse. I used to live in a second floor flat on Portobello Road in London. Which I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lived a few lives there. As, as previously alluded yeah. to, um, which is, is a very busy, thriving this is different road. Different from the hot air balloon. It, very different to the hot air balloon. Yeah, um, it, it, it's busy. It's thriving. It has the market there. There's a lot of life there, and. Um, I, I lived up there with my then girlfriend and um, a hamster called Pippi. And one morning, my then girlfriend woke me up with the bad news that Pippi had escaped somehow wow. in the night. That the, the, maybe the the door to a little house hadn't been closed properly, and I was beside Ca- myself. Cage is that? <laughs> you saw what was going on in my mind. Look, I want to say now, I don't <laughs> think at this point in my life. I would live with an animal that would only live with me if it was inside of a cage. I think I've changed my mind about that. That's the way in which I've grown in as a human being in those 15 years. I'm totally lost. What does that mean? Sorry. So Gene will often talk about what pets he wants or what pets yeah. he'd like to get. You don't want a, you don't want a, you don't want a caged animal. Is that the basic? I want, I want an animal that wants to live with us, that All would right. carry on yeah. living with us if the door was open. Do you I see, see okay. what I mean? Right. I see. Okay. That's the sort of... Yeah. Yes. 
Okay. So, um, but that's why you basically said it was a house. Yeah, because I felt bad about having an yeah. animal that yeah. lived in a cage. But, yeah. but you didn't let me off the hook with that at all, no. did you? No. But I, I used to, I used to get Pippi out every night. And I used to play with her, and she's like, um, like go up my jumper and we oh used to play God. with tubes. I, I used Please. to really, really love that hamster. No wonder she ended up with a rectal pro- prolapse. Anyway. <laughs> So somehow she she'd escaped. So and we were beside ourselves. So we turned the house upside down. We were listening at walls for scratching. Nothing. Um, I then stayed up all night the next night because they're nocturnal creatures. Um, seeing if she she yeah. woke up and I heard and and to no joy. The the following night, my ex decides that she will do the night shift and wait for Pippi. And it gets the morning and she hasn't turned up and she's thinks I'm going to have to break the news to Jeff. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the cafe and I'm going to bring him back a nice pastry and a cup of coffee. I thought um, you were going to say bring back another hamster. <laughs> that would have been the easiest solution. So The cafe probably doesn't sell hamsters, but anyway, yeah. So she goes down onto Portobello Road and there is a sign attached to a lamppost which says, hamster found, walking in the market, call this number. And, and Basically, some people, it's a really busy street, you know, there's a lot going on there. And and some people have been walking along and just spotted this little hamster walking along the pavement. What a heartwarming story. Yeah. And uh, we w- went to an animal sanctuary in Surbiton and there she was. And how long did she live? I'd after say that? she had another nine months before the rectal prolapse. Yeah. That's a, uh, such a heartwarming story, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Um, aside from hamsters, how's your wheat beam? I went to a very nice party for my. Friend who I'm afraid turned sixty. Mm. He didn't seem bothered about it, uh, but but you did. You look visibly <laughs> commiserations. Well, you know the trouble is, it's sort of somebody who's six years ahead of me, but it's sort of I don't really want to think about being sixty. Yes, and then I think well, I'm not that far off it, matey. So no, I was just saying that's the, the worst thing about turning um, fifty was thinking, oh, God, the next one's going to be 60. and Because you can kind of look at people who are 50 and carrying it off quite well, but there's no getting away from the fact that 60's getting into bus pass territory. Literally. Yes. But it was an incredibly nice party, and my friend Richard is just a lovely, lovely person. And uh, so it was it was, it was, was nice. And, I, and you know, I, I read the overstory over Christmas, and then I stopped reading it. And I'm now right back. I sat there on the tube absolutely, apart from... The hamster story was distracting and in a kind of good way. But uh, I just got absolutely um, engrossed. Engrossed. Seriously engrossed by it. Uh, it's honestly, I cannot. We, I think we should try and have Richard Powers on, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I should say just on the subject of books about the environment, we are hoping that we're going to have Lauren Child on talking about her new book, which is to do with Clarice Bean and... Uh, Issues close to my heart. Yeah, we're going to welcome her into the chatteroo. Yes. Um, I did yesterday. You know, it's the RSPB Big Garden Bird Watch this weekend. I, I actually didn't, but I'm impressed. Yeah. So we've done it the last three years. Um, so I. Oh, ex- you. <laughs> I excitedly printed off the forms yesterday and tried to enthuse Gene about it, and uh, he, he just wasn't in the mood. So no. I sat at uh, our kitchen table, staring out at my bird feeders for an hour making notes of every different type of bird that came into the garden. Sorry, is it already Spring Watch? It's the like the bird census that they do. Oh, bird census, not yeah. Spring yeah, yeah. Spring Watch. I thought, uh, because as you know, I am very season-curious. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, I anyway. Think, I think it's still very much winter. Do you yeah, want to make, so a, make a it's guess? It's less winter, actually, I'd say. 
Yes, but I th- think yeah, factually it is still winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. It's getting warmer is basically what yeah. I was saying. Um, do, do you want to make a so kept a tally of the different types of birds? Do, do you want to guess at a total number of birds altogether? Not really. <laughs> take, take, take a guess. It's a fun guessing. In game. what period? Over the course of an hour, between about nine and ten yesterday morning. Fifty. Zero. I don't know what happened. I'm always, I, I really tend to my bird. Since we did that episode on uh, on birding with the urban birder, I have been a very enthusiastic bird feeder, and I get a lot of pleasure out of staring out of that window, um, seeing what's out there. But just something weird happened yesterday. It was almost like they were screwing with me. What's your solution? Well, I feel embarrassed submitting a tally to the RSPB of zero. We'll just do another hour. It doesn't have to be at all at the same hour, does it? But isn't that good data for them? Could it be just a bad time? But I'm always looking out that window and seeing birds. I, I, I don't know what it was. It felt like, you know, when there's been some terrible disaster and then the earth takes decades to heal. Honestly, we're supposed to be cheerful chatteroo here, <laughs> mate. I mean, honestly, I mean, things are bad enough in the world without sort of basically saying it's a nuclear winter in St. Newington. I mean, honestly. On? Why me? It's just... Just sort of, I think you're forgetting the brand here. Do you think I think it's wrong of me to feel personally slighted by the birds? I think it's both wrong of you to sort of cast this as a kind of, you know, a kind of dystopian sort of, <laughs> sort of, you know, kind of situ, you know, situation. And I think it's wrong for you to take it personally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All I mean, right. maybe I think there are some sort of issues you might need to do in your EMDR about, you know, <laughs> the fact that you feel personally slighted by the birds, don't you think? Yes, I think you probably are. I mean, I really don't think it's sort of aimed at you. Yeah. So I mean, Maybe they were having a sleepy, was it a morning? Yeah, but like I say, it's mid, mid-morning. It's a time where even a bird that was having a lie-in on well, a Saturday. Okay, but maybe, okay, maybe our listeners can tell us this. Isn't there a sort of, you know, don't they kind of get very active at dawn, the dawn chorus and all that, and maybe then they're having a little, you know, Eleventh is now like sort of a siesta, but a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, well, let's see. Um, yes, any, any advice on that or any insight into that that you can offer us? The email address is chat at cheerfulpodcast dot com. Also, any facts about hamsters we'd like as well? I guess would we? Yeah, ish. Uh, so um, people have been emailing in. Yes. Uh, David Evans. David Evans, who describes himself as defender of fun. That's uh, so quite nice. This, uh, a lot of the email we got this week was about, do you remember you were saying, is, is kindness the most underrated quality? Yes. I was actually saying, why is nobody emailing us? And you said, we need to ask people about a specific thing which will prompt them to email us. Yes, yes. and they and they did. This is and the they thing. did. This yeah. is the thing. If you say, give us a fact about hamster, people want to yes. join in. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe there's a sort of lesson here about the birds somehow. Maybe. So <laughs> I don't know quite what that is. Yeah. But we, we, you, you were saying, is, is kindness the most underrated quality? And we also talk about um, what small acts of kindness could be. And David Evans, who I said uh, did, uh, before, describes himself as David Evans, defender of fun in his email signature. It is actually, by the way, just on, in brackets, I was thinking about this. So this friend of mine, Richard, I was intern with him at The Nation magazine in 1989 in uh, America. Um, so that is like 35 years ago. Uh, so I met him literally 35 years ago. Um, you know, it's an, a really interesting, remarkable thing about his party, which is 
it was a it was a sort of birthday thing, as I said, for his sixtieth in a restaurant. And he had what's so interesting about him is he he's obviously incredibly good at making and keeping friends. Mm. He's a big Spurs fan, people he met at Spurs, somebody who's teaching him the trumpet, other people who he's met. And sorry, just because it made me think of, of kindness. He's obviously got an ability to sort of reach out and befriend people. Yeah, but I think you have that as well, don't you? Maybe, but I'm not very, not very good at sort of pursuing Maintain, it. Maintaining. Yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry, back to David Evans. Um, the Defender of Fun. Yeah. He says, my good friend Fran leaves a book on the train when she's finished it so others can enjoy it too. I think that's such a nice, that's such a nice idea. Isn't it? He says, look out for one if you're on a train just north of Glasgow. Maybe Fran will email in. What was the last book that she left on the train? Or have you ever found a book on a train just north of Glasgow? I've got half a memory in the sort of earlier and um, maybe slightly nicer days of the internet. There was a, th- a thing, this, this was a, li- a little bit of a thing where people were encouraged to leave books in places and you could print out a note to leave inside the book saying that this note is a... I can't remember what website it was, but it was... I had an incredibly fun thing that I did in my constituency uh, in... Bentley, um, my constituency, where in the in the local park we hid lots of books for kids to find as part of a, I think it was book trust. Oh, that's great! Yeah, it's like a really great thing. Yeah. If you found a book, though, would would your first instinct to be to take it to lost property? It's a good question. Possibly, if it depends. If it was obviously depends. If it was obviously something personal, to somebody. Mm. I do like these little. Acts of kindness, though. Yes, so do I. This one's from Gavin O'Shea. Are we done with, uh, done with the small acts of kindness, then? You've lost interest in those. No, this is about small acts oh, of okay, kindness. okay, okay. The amazing epic Life and Fate by Vasily Grossman ends with the notion that mankind's appalling crimes are redeemed by small acts of kindness. After all the horrors of Stalingrad and the German invasion of a Russian, a German invasion, a Russian peasant takes in a starving young German soldier despite the death of her own son to the same troops. And then he's got a quote... Human history is not the battle of good struggling to overcome evil. It's a battle fought by a great evil struggling to crush a kernel of human kindness. But if what is human in human beings has not been destroyed destroyed even now, then evil will never conquer. Wow. That's a very positive thought. There's quite a profound email from Gavin. And then it says Parkrun is the new church. Have you, uh, have you backslidden, Ned? A little bit backsliding, yes. You need to, uh, you need to find your faith again. I think that's true, though, isn't it? You know, people are basically good. You hold on to that, right? Definitely. I but think, oh, I, I really love that quote. Yeah, I do as well. I do. Um, people are basically kind, but also people don't want to put themselves out that much. But is it putting it... I'm not sure these small acts of kindness really putting yourself out. No, no, I, d- I don't think they are. And I think that, you know, this is this is where it's really easy to see human kindness. Someone said to me, Richard's son said to me yesterday, he's studying in Glasgow, and he said he found people in Glasgow more friendly than people in London. He said there was a, there was a lot more, more friendliness. I was, I, was, I was trying to work out whether I... Well, I'm not not commenting on Glasgow, but whether I thought he thought people in London weren't friendly, basically. Yeah, I, I, so I've lived in London twenty odd years, and but I was in Manchester before that, and um, I think people talk to each other more outside of London. Yeah, maybe that's true. I, I just wonder if because your experience for a long time is moving through the world as you, and you're very recognisable. I, I wonder if that skews things. 
for you a little bit. It, as in, because I sort of think people are more friendly. Makes me think people are more friendly. Yeah. So, so you told that story about the tube before. <laughs> yeah. Most people who live in London would listen to that story and think, "What? You spoke to somebody on the tube? <gasps> yeah. What? What's going on? Are you okay?" Because people don't do that. Yeah, I think it's sort of quite a privilege, actually. Yeah, it's 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 a nice it's nice way to move through life. But well, it definitely does prove to you, like the folks from Portsmouth, that lots of people are really nice. Um, Helen Ward sent this in saying about uh, an underrated virtue, being reliable. Yeah. Doing what you said you'd do when you said you'd do it. Um, it's kind and it saves so much angst and energy I mean, all around. That is quite an important. Do you do that? I, th- I think I do. And what I've got better at as I get older is, um, is no my own limitations. So I think I used to agree to things because to, to be a people pleaser. And, and then, then get, you wouldn't be able to do them. Yeah, get myself into terrible knots and then, then have to cancel and try and find a, a, a kind way of cancelling or coming up with elaborate excuses. Whereas I think Helen is right. It is just better um, to be honest with people off the bat. But but that almost sounds like I'm using Helen's very nice email as an excuse for not doing anything, which isn't quite what I mean. I think it also I've become less of a procrastinator as I've got older. What do you think changed? I don't know. I just I think it's I think it's a bit that reliability thing, you know, that if you just put things off. Mm-hmm. I like to have stuff done like well in advance, work things, other things. So if you're making a speech, how long before the speech is it finished? Well, it's funny actually because I did the oil and gas bill last Monday, and this is slightly exceptional because it was due to be quite soon after Christmas, and I thought, right, I'm not going to spend Christmas working on this. So I wrote the speech before Christmas last year uh and then it got postponed by two weeks so it was sort of but you know it's just i feel always feel much more comfortable if things are done well in advance i don't like things being done at the last minute and i think that i've changed in that actually so so 10 years ago how how soon before something would you more last i was more last minute now maybe partly being leader it was just inevitable um yeah i don't i like things to be done well in advance Uh uh-huh see i have um i have add and part of that is I've heard it described as being a bit like um, um, myopia for time. So the the idea of some the, the the future is too abstract and you can't can't quite grasp it. So you end up doing everything at the last minute. You can only do things when there's a, a, a terrible deadline looming. Did I know that? I think so. I think we talked about it in the past. Um, notice that. Well, like what's the way that I would notice? Um, when did I send you the news articles that we might talk about today? Late last night. Yeah, like about midnight last night, and we're talking at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So th- that's that's an example right. of it. Maybe that's just just-in-time production. <laughs> so being reliable, Helen Moore, doing what you said you would do when you said you would do it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's particularly true with one's partner. Yes. Um, now, shall we read Emma Yates? It's on the different subject TV recommendation. Yeah, so Emma Yates sent in, uh, an email after hearing you talk about shrinking and said, Dear Ed and Jeff, I think that Ed and I may have similar tastes in programmes. So I That's wanted to great. recommend two programmes. The first is Fellow Travellers. Uh, it was originally a book and then a film and charts the adventures and misadventures of a group of friends who happened to be gay from the 1950s McCarthy era witch hunts uh, to San Francisco bathhouses of the 1970s and the protest movement up to the 1980s and the AIDS crisis. Pretty graphic in places, but don't let that put you off. Interesting. I t- just reading that, it brought to mind, do you remember that programme Our Friends in the North from the 90s? Yes, yes. 
Which... I didn't really ever. I think I was sort of Gordon Brown ate my nineties situation. Right. I mean, I obviously know about My Friends of the North, but I don't think I ever watched it. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, it was really good. I'd, I've not rewatched it, but maybe it's due for a rewatch. <clears> but I like these stories told over decades. The second recommendation is on Netflix. It's called Carol at the End of the World. Wikipedia calls it an American adult animated apocalyptic comedy drama television miniseries about a quiet woman navigating the last days of the planet, looking for hope you wouldn't, where you wouldn't expect to find it. I, I think I'm going to go for number one, not number two. If it hadn't had the word animated in it. No, no, you... it's not animated. It's like last days of the planet. Because Sarah has this barrier. She won't watch anything animated, even if... It's not an animated. No, it's just like, I just can't watch anything too depressing. Will you watch animation? Well, I dev never watched, never really spent time watching the South South Park or the Simpsons or anything. Yeah. But, I mean, Bojack Horseman, no, I just haven't really, no. So if, if I told you about a really good show and you think oh, I might watch that and then I said, oh, and by the way, it's animated. No, I don't think I would really out. I don't think I would really out. If it was Ken from you, Jeff, I wouldn't really it out. <laughs> I'll tell you what I watched this week, which was fantastic. Yeah. Channel 4 have a new three-part documentary series called Minus Strike 1984, Battle for Britain. And it is brilliant and it's a hard watch, which might not be what you're you're after at the moment. But um, it it tells that story through moments in the strike. And I was struck by how when you hear people talking about it, because there's a lot of interviews with, with people now, Talking Heads interviews, it's like hearing former soldiers talk about war. Wow. It's very moving. They've got all this footage from the uh, NUM video unit, which shows some of those events like Orgree from a completely wow. different angle than you're used to from the news reports at the time. Um, wow. It's it's really good. I mean, there's plenty of people, I'm sure, listen to this who aren't old enough to remember the miners' strike, which makes me and Ed feel old. And, and if you want to know that story... Um, wow. It's told incredibly good. well. Yeah, it's, it's it's really good. Now, I can't let us go without mentioning one other thing that you've sent me, which is an article from The Guardian. Uh, uh, cold water swimming eases menopause and menstrual symptoms, study finds. Yes, this was uh, UCL, University College Swimming London. in cold water can significantly reduce symptoms of the menopause, such as mood swings and hot flushes. Spending time immersed in cold water to convert a range of physical and mental health benefits for menopausal women with some likelihood to healing the research has said the study led by academics at ucl examined responses from 1114 women aged 16 to 80 an average age of 49 who regularly swim in cold water among the study group 785 were going through the menopause at the time half of that group said cold water swimming significantly reduced their anxiety while large minorities said it also helped tackle mood swings low mood and hot flushes and more than six in ten said they swam specifically to address menopausal symptoms. Interesting. Yeah. Eh? Let's hear it for cold water swimming. Yes. It was three degrees last week, although I think it all have warmed up. Dan and I had a discussion about where the temperature was going up to. He said it had been eight at some point before Christmas. I think you'll have climbed. You know those things that hikers have, that you put in your hand and all of a sudden they go very hot? It warms you up on a hike. Why can't they make wetsuits made out of that on the inside? Ah, Jeff, you have nothing to declare, but you're genius. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.